Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to The Reluctant Agilist. I am sheltering in place in New York City. I live in a 600-square-foot apartment with two other people and three cats. It's very tiny. And Mark Kilby is here today, remotely also sheltering in place, hopefully of more than 600 square feet. Yeah, I have about 2,500 square feet. Uh, I have five humans, four cats, and the two dogs stay outside, thank goodness. You have an outside, so we can't even do that. Yeah. We can't even know where to yeah. go. Yeah. Um, we just well, had an adventure dumping some cardboard out of, because we, we have been doing home improvements since we're at home. Okay. And so, so we just had a bunch of cardboard that we had to go dump. It's like, hey, it's, it's an exciting adventure outside of the house. Yeah, it's going <laughs> the cool thing is I actually did go outside yesterday. I went running and I ran down the middle of 7th Avenue for like a whole mile and didn't have to move out of the way yeah. for anything. Yep. That's kind of cool. Um, well, thank you for, for making time for this. I think this is especially great that we're talking now because uh, for those of you, if you're not familiar with Mark, he's kind of an expert in distributed teams. He's co-author of the book with the incredibly long title, From Chaos to Distributed <laughs> Agile Teams. Uh, collaborate to deliver there. I forgot the last yes. part. You co-wrote yes. with Joanna. Um, I've been telling everybody about that book. Every time they ask me about distributed teams, I'm just like, go buy this book. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So we've had this massive change. And I'm curious to know if your opinion, do you think that, I mean, when you wrote the book about distributed teams, coronavirus wasn't part of the world then. No. Were you thinking about stuff like this then, or is this like a different thing than just distributed teams? So, so actually, Johanna and I, as we were working on the book, and I think we talked about in a prior podcast that she and I wrote the book yes. literally together, sentence by sentence. We pair wrote the whole thing. And we, we did talk about um, when we were writing the section on resilience that you know, there, there could be extreme cases because my, myself living in Florida, right. um, and this happened really at the start of writing the book, usually, usually July, August, September in Florida become uh, interesting months if it's an active hurricane season. In September 2017, we were a month into writing the book and we had some heavy hurricanes and, and uh, it was, you know, there were some days we just couldn't work as I didn't have power, didn't have internet connectivity. Wow. And so we did talk about resilience in that situation. Uh, and, but never to this scale, we, you know, it just, you know, for going on weeks and weeks and months and, you know, d despite what is in the news now, yeah, uh, I think we still have a long way to go on this one. I, so I kind it, of it definitely, too. yeah, it's definitely testing everyone's patience and resilience and probably a few other things. So you mentioned that you guys wrote this sentence. I knew that you paired on it, but I just assumed that you would like write a chapter and send it to the other person and talk about it and they'd make changes and send it back. You actually wrote this. Every, oh. every weekday for at least 30 minutes, usually 60 minutes, we would get on a zoom call just like we're on now uh, we'd get into Google, Google Doc together, and we would somebody would write a couple sentences, and then we'd switch or we'd refactor as the other person was kind of wow. thinking through how does that sound? Yeah, so we we literally, literally pair wrote. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so we we talked through many many scenarios uh, of what we had seen that was successful, not successful. 
Um, and, you know, we, we did talk about extreme scenarios, but there was already so much in the book. We had to, we had to cut some things out and it just, you know, who, who could imagine something to this scale? Yeah. Well, it's fortuitous that you wrote the book when you did. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it's doing well right now. I mean, do you agree that this is like, this to me seems different than we've got a couple people in another country or a couple people working from home. This is a very different animal to me. Oh, it's, it's, it's huge. Cause one of the things we talk about in the book is the importance of choice. Uh, so many of the teams that I work with that were partially distributed, uh, they may not have always had choice. And those were usually the more challenging ones. So those are okay. the ones we talk about as like the satellites where you, you might have a few people remote. Sometimes it was by choice they were remote because right. the, the spouse got a great job somewhere else and they, they wanted to stay connected or the company wanted to stay connected or the clusters of people in different locations. It could have been through acquisitions or whatever. Okay. But really the, the ones that are fully dispersed, what we call nebula in the book, those are almost, I, I can't even think of a situation where choice wasn't involved. So the company deliberately chose to work that way. So if you think of um, companies like Buffer and what used to be called 37 Signals, and now they just go by Basecamp, right. uh, and Automatic, who, who made, who made uh, WordPress, all those companies chose to be remote. The people who joined knew that. So they had the choice of, yes, I want to work remote. Yeah. Here, in this scenario, everyone got kicked out of their normal operating yeah. space. You know, there was no choice. There was little to no prep. I've been doing a talk um, around this for really the last month. I've been doing a lot of online talks around this topic. And I'll survey, and usually the survey will go something like this. Uh, were you already remote before January 2020? Did your company start preparing for remote January, February timeframe? Did they start preparing early March or did you have no preparation? Mm -hmm. Usually around 50% or more are in that last category, yeah. no preparation. I think that's a really big part of it because like it's, yeah, you got one person home, but everybody and it it's it throws a massive i mean for, for me one of the weirdest things i work at a company that's all remote yeah but all yeah. my coworkers would go to client sites and now they mm -hmm. can't do that and i can't go train anywhere and like one of the weirdest things for me is i'm accustomed to if i'm not teaching i have like maybe one phone conversation a day and i just work by myself yeah i have had more interaction with people in Zoom over the last two weeks than I probably have in the last six months. It's mm -hmm. exhausting. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, you know, a new buzzword going around is Zoom fatigue. Yeah. Because, because so many people are using that particular tool. It's no, it's no, it's nothing against Zoom, but yeah. uh, that's become the de facto tool now. Yep. And you get meeting after meeting. There's, there's been some that I've just, you know, people have invited me to speak and I said, I can't do it anymore right now. I, I need to take a break for a couple yeah. days. <laughs> I got a phone call from somebody like six o'clock the night. I'm like, no, no more. No, no yeah. Normally I would break. never do that, but yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah. Um, so keeping people, you know, it's, Following with that thread, keeping people engaged, finding ways to keep these conversations going and productive is 
is challenging all by itself normally, but are there any things that you've seen that have worked really well, um, kind of helping people cope with this change? Yeah, uh, because it was so abrupt and so jarring for so many people, the I think the most important thing is if you're in a team that you're collaborating with, it is important to set some sort of regular cadence to how you connect so people can anticipate, hey, this is when I'm going to talk to humans again, for instance, Okay. Uh, as opposed to ad hoc meetings. The ad hoc meetings are even more jarring, I think, right now. But but having a regular pace where I'm, I'm not talking through chat, I'm not talking through, you know, at least I can see people on video, that, yeah. that has made a difference. So I've seen this in my work. I'm watching my kids go through this in their schoolwork. And I'm watching my wife go through this in her business, which is very different from mine, but all of that is online now. And yeah. I'm watching these little little slices of our culture that are that are now going through this. And having that regular rhythm helps. Having the ability to just check in on on people. So um, if you're not hearing from somebody on a regular basis, are you reaching out to them? Hey, how are you doing, Dave? You know, are yeah. you okay? Is everything cool? Or, you know, some people, they can work for long periods of time uh, on their own and they're okay. But if, if you're a little more extroverted, you need that contact time. You need to, you need to speak with somebody. Yeah. I, I find that I worry. I mean, I'm very introverted. So it's like everyone in my family, the fact that we can't leave the apartment we're like, <laughs> we're built for this. But yeah. I worry about my friends that are very extroverted who, like one of them said to me one time, like the hardest part for him about traveling is when he goes back to the hotel room because that's when he's by himself. Yep. Much rather be out and around people. And I, I worry about those folks. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, I, and I, I observe it here even at my home. Uh, my wife is very extroverted uh, where I'm more on the introvert side. So I can... You know, I can work for days and I'll be fine. There's, there's a lot that I need to write. And, uh, but she, she's very much a people person. She's, she's usually in contact at, with customers and she's at their place most. And so she's used to that constant contact and, and, and uh, interaction and that fuels her. Yeah. And it, this has been a really difficult period for her. It's like starving people out. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully she's getting enough. Hopefully you're providing her with enough social interaction. Yes. So, <laughs> so and, that's, a, and that's, a, that's another important point is um, not only reaching out to team members, but staying in. I know we're probably, probably everyone's having way more contact with their family than they ever had in this period. Yeah. But that's important too. So, the, just yesterday, she came in. She goes, "Are you done yet?" I said, "I am now." I, I just stopped. I said, "Okay." Yeah. That, that was that was her. I need to talk to somebody. Signal. It's like, yeah. All right, let's let's go talk. So look for that in your colleagues. Look for that in your family, uh, especially those that are more extroverted, and be be sensitive to that. So um, and have save that enough rhythm. of yourself left for them at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Don't be wiped out. And that's, that's another reason, even though I have been working online for years, uh, 
just the uh, just the number of online meetings and events I've been to this last five six weeks has just been phenomenal, and I'm I'm getting uh, you know Zoom fatigue or online yeah. fatigue, and and so I'm I'm purposely not doing as much. I'm I'm actually not watching the news as much as I used to. Um, yeah it's hard yeah well i used to watch the news every morning before i kind of started my my work day and in the evening i can't do it was it was stressing me out so i so i figured all right anything important my wife's gonna tell me because she's got it on all the time (laughs) and and i'll check in every other day and it's like you know what it has not changed dramatically so yeah, I give it about a half an hour a day, and it just keeps seems to keep swinging back and forth. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. So I'm I'm catching it at um, a different frequency, and you know what? It doesn't change that much if you hit it the right frequency. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you mentioned that you're participating in all these online events, and that's sort of the main thrust of the conversation we talked about doing this call. We yeah. were in in an online event uh, together earlier in the week. Yes. And the thing I wanted to explore that I hope will help folks is just some anti-patterns. Like what are some things that you've seen people do um, that you can, it just, you, you want to be, that's not the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so one, and you and I were talking about this right before we hit the record button is having all day online events. Yes. That I, in my experience is, a killer, uh, especially for training events. And, and I know you were saying before that it was not, a, or I you've got students working. that are telling you yeah, that it's not as draining. So we've put a lot of um, care and thought into how we do it. And it's also based on stuff that I had done a couple years ago um, before we even had video. Like that wasn't an option back then. Yeah. But uh, the way that we've set it up is there's actually – three or four instructors. Um, Mm. One person would be like leading the, you know, the topic. Another person is managing the technology. Another person is responsible for care and feeding of the people in the room. So watching Mm. them, everybody has to have video on. Um, And we're switching out what we're doing about every 10 to 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we never go more than 50 minutes without a break. So everybody knows every single hour, there's a 10 minute break and we're taking an hour for lunch. So that, and okay. that, that honestly has been the key. It's the switching things up and the break every yeah. hour because I mean, and as somebody who's co-leading it, it's brutal. It's so much harder to teach online than it is in person. Yes. Um, but what the feedback that we got and what I noticed from just watching the folks in the room is they, they didn't hit that wall that people will hit like at the end of a two day CSM class where they just kind of like, you can tell nothing else is going to go in their heads. Yeah. Tech is full. Can't can't absorb as much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, so the question is, what is different? Um, And and then and I'll back up a little bit and and also talk about what has been different for courses I'm teaching online and and what I've seen others do successfully. Usually, at most half a day. Okay. with with the the breaks you mentioned, uh, 
usually if if you plan out in like 90 minute segments with a break in the middle of the 90 minute segment so it's like a short break at 45 minutes okay then a little bit longer break so if you think in terms of like a pomodoro style i was just gonna say it sounds like pomodoro yeah yep yep so you're doing like you're doing an interval short break interval short break uh but for online uh where you've got multiple people and a lot of this I've gotten from Judy Reese and what she's been experimenting with. Uh, and Judy, somebody I collaborate with having that interval, short break interval, slightly longer break than interval, short break interval done for the day. So that's half a day. Okay. You might have, and depending, depending on what the course is about, you might have a little homework, nothing stressful, but something to help them integrate what they've learned. Now, when you're when you're doing the the time with them, are they doing like interactive stuff, or is it just like oh a yeah, lecture? it's okay. interactive. It no, it's interactive the entire. So you're constantly doing things. Okay. Uh, the lecture might be uh, of like say a forty five minute segment. You might be doing two minutes of lecture. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So okay. you're you're getting them into a concept, and then they've got other materials where they're applying the concept and, and working with each other, usually in smaller groups. So have the, having the capability breakouts, I would say is a success pattern. Okay. So frequently using breakouts, uh, very little lo- and having multiple ways to introduce the concepts. So, so lecture is a very small part of it. Yeah. There's usually some, some kind of online content or something else that also gives them the concepts for them to work through and apply it right away. Okay. So for those familiar from, with training from the back of the room concepts, that probably sounds very familiar too. Um, oh, but, but I was going to say, uh, because you know, I've been in many of those in-person courses as well, and yeah, I know what it's like to hit that wall both as an instructor and yeah. as, as a student. And sometimes you don't want anything to do with the material for a couple of days after that. It's like I need to get away from it. Yeah. But yeah. but but have, but planning planning a gap in between. So sometimes a full day gap or a, um, a Judy in her classes she's doing sometimes a week. So okay. it might be half a day training, and then we'll pick it up half a day later. So it depends on the topic. So she's teaching. So is it the same? The same students coming back? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's all part of the same class, but the idea is take what you learned in the first segment and start applying it right away. Yeah. And usually there's um, either through email or maybe you're all together in something like Slack or something where you can exchange what you're doing. Exchange ideas, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, hey, here's what I'm experimenting with, and I'm looking, and here's questions I have for the next session. And some of it might get answered if it's quick, or that helps the instructor say, okay, I'm going to start refactoring part two so this person can maybe lead us in this part. They can actually practice some of what we've been talking about and we can use that as sort of a lab. So it's it's very interactive and it pulls the students into actually helping go through some of the material. Okay. Yeah. Well so I wanna kind of follow up the question about that and and what you said about breakouts earlier. Mm -hmm. Um 
I mean, based on that, I can see where somebody might approach this, especially if it's a back of the room kind of centric person. Yep. A lot of people seem to approach that stuff with the, well, Sharon said we need to do an exercise every X number of minutes. So they're just going to, you know, every 10 to 15 minutes, time for an exercise, time for an exercise. Now you're going to pair up with somebody, you're going to do four, three, two, one, you're going to do this thing and that thing. And it seems like the point of it is just to get people to talk to one another and not necessarily deployed as a way to help learn the content. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, I mean, because the collaboration is a big part of it, do you, is that enough? And I can't tell if I'm just like cranky old man on a porch waving his cane, but, <laughs> but yeah. you want people to interact, but sometimes it just feels like we're interacting because you decided it was time for us to interact. Yeah. Well, let me put it this way. So Dave, I remember back in the day, <laughs> I won't do that, but, uh, but you know, you, you and I have been around long enough that we've seen that approach with Scrum. We've seen that approach yeah. with Kanban. We've seen this with, with scaling approach. Yes, these are all frameworks. That doesn't mean it's exact rules. Okay. And you, you've got to, and you and I, are, are the of the the type that we're going to adapt based on the on the situation on the context. Yeah. So you probably my guess is you know I haven't been in one of your classes, but just from talking to you, my guess is you're probably inspecting and adapting your class probably every segment. Oh to my some god, degree. that's why I'm so exhausted at the end. I'm, I'm, yeah, I yeah. change it on the fly as I go constantly. Yeah, yes. yeah, and and I do the same thing based on what questions am I hearing. Where do I need yeah. to How do I slow things this? down? Yep. Where can I just blow past it? Because it's obvious this group has, them. yeah, they've they've done this or they've read enough about it. We don't need to spend a lot of time on it. It's it's the same thing with online, but the 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 interaction that some of us who've been online for a long time, it's not it's not just. You, you have to get them interacting every 10, 15 minutes. It's how, how is it the content that you're teaching, how will they learn best by interacting with it? Is it, you know, if, if, it's, if it's just something they need to know, can they read, read some of it? Can they talk through some of it? Do they really like lecture? Even if I'm doing a talk, I'll tell people who have heard me say, I hate to lecture, so please interrupt me with questions. I would yeah. rather modify this on the fly and, and you know, I'll get through the content regardless, but I would rather know what you're getting out of the talk so I can adjust it and you get the most value out of it. Uh, so so the, the, the online course should be the same way. How are you establishing, establishing those feedback loops for, your, for yourself as an instructor and for the students so they know what is it I should be paying attention to? What is it that I need to understand and how will I know I understand it? So whether you give that through learning objectives or goals or whatever, give okay. that to them up front and say, okay, okay here's what we're going, coming into. Here's some of the things you should get out of, out of it. Here's how we're going to approach it. And I've got some ways to modify it, but let's see, let's see how this goes for us. And just, okay. You know, as an agilist, we should inspect and adapt, and yeah. just letting the class know, hey, I've got a path through this, but if we need to take some alternate paths, we can map some of those out on the fly. 
So, all right. So that kind of leads me towards where I wanted to go with the next question, which is how yeah. do you create, I mean, some people, if you say that to them, some folks in a class or a meeting or whatever, they're fine with that. They'll be happy to offer you feedback. They'll be like, Hey, that's a great opportunity. Other people that puts them off. It sets them very ill at ease. So like, how do you create, and, and something happened in the session we run, I'll, I'll mention in a moment that, that out of the gate made me feel horribly uncomfortable. How do you okay. create safety for people online? Because you can't see them. You can't watch their facial reaction. I mean, you, you get like no, unless they specifically call out and say, I'm not comfortable with that. How can you tell? So, so with anything, it's setting expectations up front. So even in the initial course description, if that's the way your, your course is being taught, you might say, this course is for people who are willing to experiment. Okay. This course is for those who they, they know they have certain things to learn, but they're willing to take some different approaches. Because if you're, teach a, if you're teaching a course on Scrum, why not make Scrum part of the course? Yeah. If you're teaching a course on Kanban, make, make, make the course, you know, implement Kanban as part of the course. So they see this is not just for software teams. This is not right. just for projects. You can really use this in many different ways. It's a, it's a way of thinking about work. Um, if, and so one of the classes I teach is on facilitation. And so, yes, I can facilitate, but I don't need the practice. How, do, how, how can I get you involved as a student and actually do some facilitation for the rest of the class? Yeah. So that would be, you know, that would be the goal. But I try to set those expectations up front, right up front in the written course description and say, you know, you will be busy. You will, you will, you, you will not have time to multitask in this course. Yeah. But that's also why. I would only do half a day at most. It's like, okay. okay, we realize you've got other things going on. Here's a half day that you're going to get deeply immersed in this. And then you've got half a day, maybe a day, a couple days to now get back into your world. But you've got this new way of thinking. How would you apply this? So okay. let me give you some things to think about now that you've had this first session. How can you apply some of the stuff we learned and share it? through email, through whatever mechanism is, is available. Okay. So you're, you're still, you're still, even, even though you have a break in between the sessions, you're still trying to get them to figure out, all right, how can I apply this? How can I con not only connect with this material, but actually get value out of it the next day? Yeah. Okay. Now, do you feel like people are, I mean, from what you've seen, is there a, significant difference in their willingness or ability to collaborate virtually as opposed to in real life? In the current situation, yes. <laughs> so okay. uh, I would say before, before March of this year, those who were starting to come online were doing so because they were looking to explore a different way of working. Okay. But now, going back to kind of our, the start of our conversation here, now you've got a bunch of people who are forced. Yeah, they have no choice. They have no choice. And you hear things like, I hate Slack. I hate Zoom. I hate being online all day. And I've been hating Slack for years. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but if, you're, if you're 
being forced into this situation where you're now in an environment that you're already uncomfortable with, you're forced to work in it, how well are you going to inspect and adapt in that situation? Probably okay. not terribly well. Uh, so I, I w- if, if, if people are taking a course of mine for a quick fix, it's probably not the right course. If, if you're really looking at how to uh, work successfully online, you will probably get a ton of value out of it. And, okay. But that's, set, that's setting that expectation up front saying, I am going to work, I'm going to model what I'm teaching in the class yeah. as much as I can. So you can see that it's not just some theoretical thing. And you're going to run it's, experiments and some of them aren't going to work out the way you want. Yep. 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 I think that's good. I, I've noticed that there is, um, and I don't know if it's just because it's CSM and CSPO classes, but more people are engaging um, than I would see in a, in a pub, you know, an in-person class. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that's been really interesting is sometimes in classes, and maybe it's because I most, I mean, I kind of aim at project managers who are trying to get this stuff. Yeah. Um, if in an, in an absence of control and power, there are people, and I'm one of these people, like you just take over because you just, you can't stand the fact that nobody's leading and you don't want to, but somebody's got to just get this done. So I'll, I'll yeah. do it. Fine. Yeah. Um, those people kind of manhandle the whole team and kind of bully the team into submission. And they're not trying to do it. They just can't stop themselves. That, yeah. I haven't seen not, that happen it's online. Not, it's not with ill intent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but because there's no physical presence, there's no visual, like I, maybe that's why, I don't know, but I've not seen people do that online and I've been very pleased by that. Well, and I think there's another element to it. It's also because they're not sure how to take control in this situation. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> they, you know, and, and because, because they again, the, man- into it physically yeah, and the like managers have been back. forced into this as well. You know, it, usually, especially, especially in the situation where you have years of experience or you're in a large organization, you usually get to see the new thing first, whatever that new thing is. Yeah. Now you're shoved into the same murky situation with your people and no, you, you can't take the lead because you don't even know what direction the lead is. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the unnerving part. And that's probably why they're a little more open to just kind of go with, all right, I'm just going to go with whatever you're going to cover because I don't know what else to do right now. So. Yeah. Well, uh, let me ask you a question as a participant, cause I don't, I don't take a lot of training classes. Um, mm-hmm. I think this was the second one I've taken in a year, but there was something that happened in the very beginning of the class that put me on a bad footing, like right out of the gate. And as, a, as someone who is, you know, I'm not running, it's not my show. I'm there to participate. I don't really know what I should have done, but when they, the, the way this, for the folks who are listening, the way this started out was. Oh, this we is, were, yeah. Th- this is the event we were both in. Yeah. Yeah. We were told to, you're going to go into this thing and it will, the system is going to pair you up with somebody in the class and you're going to have a conversation for three minutes and then we're going to switch you to somebody else and then switch you to somebody else. And you had no ability to choose. You had, you had no idea who these other people were. It was totally random. I mean, in a real life physical situation, if I was in a class and that's how it started out, I'd probably do two and then I might leave. 
Like, <laughs> it's, just like it's just not my deal, especially first thing in the morning. So, so but at least so then the, I can say, okay, that person, <laughs> I think I could probably talk to that person, but here I don't even get a choice. I'm just like, bang, you're in a room with somebody, you don't know who they are. And it's like speed dating for somebody who didn't really want to go on a date in the first place. Like, <laughs> yeah, for somebody who was I happily sh- married, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, why, I, why am I, I here? <laughs> I had no idea. I mean, I went along with it, but I had no idea how to protect myself in that situation. So, oh, interesting. So, what would you? What? So that's an interesting way to put it. What? What would you need to protect yourself from? Well, that's the, I mean, so the second time that we were told to do that, I just went into the limbo thing and never selected to get a participant. I just waited yeah. it out. But okay. it, I think I would have, I'm, I'm trying to think of it as somebody who's, who's participating in this. If I, if, if something like that is going on and I don't want to, don't feel comfortable with it. Yeah. What should I do? Because I'm sure that we're all doing that to other people. Like, hey, you know, pair up, do this type of conversation about that. There's got to be some people at certain points that are like, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. So, so I would say, so I, I wouldn't say that particular activity was an anti-pattern. The way expectations were not set. Were not set. <laughs> yeah. was the anti-pattern. Yeah. 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 Um, because if, if you go to, a liberating structures training. First right. of all, it's not called training. It's called immersion. And, it, and, it's, and it's called that specifically for a reason. Because you are immediately put into a bunch of exercises. And then they, they'll talk about how this can be used. But you experience it first. Right. And, and so you go through a bunch of these exercises or what they call structures. But... In the one that I took, and this was back in September of uh, last year, 2019, there was probably, well, th- there was a description on the website, and I'm pretty sure there was at least two, maybe three emails that said, this is going to be highly immersive, come in open-minded, yeah. just you know, go with it, don't even worry about taking notes, we will give you all kinds of materials. And so that expectation was repeatedly set. And this, this was actually the first class that I took that I took no notes. And, and I'm, okay. a, I, I'm a massive note taker. But I said, okay, they're just saying, experience the exercises as if you were a participant. Cool, I can do that. And, and I got, actually got quite a bit out of it. Not knowing this shared event that we went through, I, I recognized the exercise, but I thought, wow, that's really odd. They didn't really set any expectations <laughs> around this and they just kind of tossed us in. Um, and I felt that way for um, probably about half of the, the course. And okay. then, and, but, but the funny thing was the, the, and, and you and I were talking about this earlier, the expectation setting came almost at the end of the course. And it's like, okay, I get the – and expectations always reflect the design, what you hope the, the meta lesson is out of, out of whatever the course is. You know, for CSM course, it's you've got an idea of what Scrum is and what the role of a Scrum master yeah. should do, at least. Hopefully, you get more out of it, but that's the, that's the basic, you know, meta lesson. Um, the the lesson out of this particular course was there are many different forms of facilitation. Some 
are more structured. Some are less structured. They were, it, and, and they, they were mentioning that their experience was it helps if you go from less structured to more structured. But that wasn't shared until really almost the end of the course. Yeah, I think there's two things I thought of when you were talking about that. One is that I think if at the end of at least the first one, we had debriefed on, talked about, okay, how did you feel when that happened? Like, because mm -hmm. that's the thing that I, I want to know is what, what am I doing to the other people? In the yeah. Room? But maybe some of us, when we are interacting with folks, especially like I know I do this in my in-person classes, I build up trust. And then I can use that trust to say, okay, we're going to yes. do something now. It's not going to make any sense. Are you yep. willing to go along with this for a half yes. an hour? Yes. And to, to not assume trust, especially online, because it's so much harder to build. You don't have eye contact. You don't have physical proximity. You got none of that stuff. Yeah. Um, you have to ask, explicitly ask for people if they're willing to go along. Yeah. And, and part of it, and, and this, is, this is probably something even more critical for your, for your listeners is part, part of it is defined by the tools you use. So they actually use tool, two different environments. So the first half, and I, I'm not going to talk about the tool uh, so much, but the first half they used a, a newer tool, which really only gave us video of the instructors. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, that, I found it was personally was was really a weird experience after being in you know Zoom where I'm used to seeing everybody. Well, almost. and especially because we were sitting sitting around virtual tables. Yeah, yeah, but I couldn't. I I could only see, see my. I could only see people at certain segments. It was kind of weird experience. Yeah. Um, and then the second half was in Zoom, which now is a more familiar tool to almost everybody. Uh, for better or for worse, you know, but that, but people know what that experience is like, especially if you use gallery view, it's like, Hey, I can see everybody. Yeah. Um, but, but it was, um, yeah, I, I didn't even realize they were going to use zoom until the second half. So again, you know, that what you say about building trust, that part of it, part of it is setting expectations. Part of it is saying, Hey, are you, you okay going along with it? for this period of time. But that's, that's, I think, where some of the anti-patterns are. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've noticed and when I've been doing this and that I noticed in the class we took is going to the technology. <clears throat> to me, it doesn't matter what technology you're using, but if you're using multiple technologies, you need to practice switching back and forth between them so that it is completely seamless. Because I know I have done that in a very clunky way and it totally killed the momentum. And mm -hmm. I've seen other people do that. I mean, I'm, and this weekend, I'm literally going to be doing nothing but practicing switching from Zoom to Miro to Excel back and forth over and over and over. Well, and, and not only you need to practice as instructor or facilitator, but you might have students coming in that haven't used all these tools. So you've got to give them an opportunity to practice yeah, with the new tools. Um, you know, I, I heard recently, and you may have heard this too, uh, where somebody was telling the story of, yes, I used tool X and because we were used to the, the user interface, 
but the students weren't, that it really threw them off and the, the class rebelled or something like that. So, um, so if, you, if you don't provide that orientation time, uh, your, your students are going to suffer and the learning is going to suffer. And the more tools you use, the more orientation time you might have to introduce, unless, you're, unless you as facilitator is the only one that's really operating the tool. Yeah. And I would say that goes not just for like students, but if you're working with the team, um, like we're trying to block out an hour at the beginning of every session just to get used to the tools. But Mm -hmm. um, anybody you're working with is going to struggle with this. What's, what's one piece of advice that you would offer folks as they adjust to this that you think like, this is something that, that most of us are needing to fix. Around the tools? Around just this new way of working and, and connecting with people from a distance. Um, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. In general. Um, I, I, would sa- I would say find the minimum set of tools that will allow your team to collaborate. Yes, there are a ton of tools out there, and you can go through tool switching fatigue if you if – you, <laughs> A lot of fatigue. Yeah. (laughs) If you bring in too many tools or you, and and I'm guilty of this because I I love to play with new tools. If you, if you're one of those people who like to play with new tools and you're trying to bring in new tools to your team all the time and they just go, stop, let's just get the work done. Yeah. Oh, but this is so cool. No, don't do that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Trust me. I'm the one that usually gets yelled at for that. So, uh, but you, you want to try to get the tools to fade in the background. Just, just like if you're using an agile framework, Scrum or Kanban, you want that to kind of fade into the background and yeah. it just becomes part of how you work. You don't even think about, well, oh, this is the best way to run the retrospective or you just do it, you know, yeah. you, and, and it becomes very fluid and very natural. So try to find the minimum set of tools, uh, and, and like we we just said, you know, practice with those tools and other people who are going to be using those tools, you need to give them time to practice, whether it's in a class or you're within a project, uh, you know, working on something together, you know, get, give people time to, to get comfortable with these tools. And even if it's been a month, you still might find that people are not completely comfortable. I still find people, you know, like you just said, you hate Slack. And usually what I find out is, about Slack is people don't know that they can turn all the noise down in Slack. Yeah. So, so that's why I created a cheat sheet and a short video and said, you know, here's in five minutes, you can shut a lot of this down and control the noise. So that's out on my website. Yeah. Uh, so just, you know, you can go on my website, look for Slack and you'll see something that says quieting Slack. And it'll, it'll tell you how you can actually get a lot of the noise turned down. Uh, cause when it, at the last place I was, I was covering, uh, 10 teams. I was working with the product management side. I was working with some executives. So I had to find ways to turn yeah, that that's down a lot focus of noise. On, focus on the important stuff. And I, and I, I found ways to do that. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point is to, to, the tools should enable you not get yeah. in the way. It's sort of like if you're watching a movie and you notice the soundtrack, that's yep. not supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. You're, you're just supposed to notice, oh, this seems like really tense. Oh, it's yeah. music. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, this was great, Mark. Thank you very much for doing this. If I know you've got, you've got new classes and stuff and workshops and things, and I'll include a link to the website. But um, yeah. what if they want to reach out to you? What's the best way to do that? So uh, I'm, I'm always active in Twitter and LinkedIn. Just uh, You can find me there, Mark Kilby. Uh, there are a few other Mark Kilby's, but I'm probably the one that's going to pop up the most as distributed <laughs> agile guide, you know, so, uh, on my website, you can reach me there as well. Email, uh, you can schedule a meeting with me. I have chat on my website now, so you can reach out to me that way too. Yes. I created more communication channels because like I said, I like to play with tools. Well, so it's, but it's important to offer people options. They can pick yeah. the ones that are best suited for them. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever, whatever works for him. Um, Johanna and I have some uh, self-paced courses out there. So if you don't feel like sitting in a classroom environment and another Zoom meeting, you don't have to, uh, you can do that. Or if you want to join me um, with maybe some Zoom, but maybe some other interesting tools, because I mentioned I am a tool geek. Right. Um, I have a new online facilitation course that, uh, Actually, uh, Judy Reese has developed the course, uh, and I'm working with Judy to kind of uh, enhance that a few different ways based on what I have learned. Also, a, uh, a course for teams that are looking for better ways to work together. So it gets into looking at working agreements around your tooling, around your your work hours, especially in crazy times like this where everybody's home and you've got, you know, now you've got homeschooling and you're competing for time on possibly one anyway. computer with the spouse yeah. and everything. Else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we, we talk, we can talk about all of that in that course. We get into uh, different communication tools. We get into all kinds of things in that course. And those are, both of those courses are, again, two half-day sessions that are spaced out by day. So you can take whatever you learn, immediately start applying it, and come back in the next session Cool. and say, hey, I've, I tried some of this. I've got some questions. Great. Let's talk about it. Let's apply it in part two of the class. Awesome. This was yeah. great, Mark. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, Dave. Yeah, this was a great way to end the week. I hope you have a wonderful Zoom-free weekend. I, that's my goal, man. <laughs> that's my goal. I, and I hope all your listeners have a Zoom free weekend. <laughs> yes. Cool. Thank you very much, man. All right. All right.